Last week we began uh, a Christmas series, and I and I I just confess to you that as, as a as a pastor, sometimes preaching Christmas sermons is is, is hard. Uh, not because of of the of the message that we have and the and the resources that we have, but because you know you always want to do something. I always I shrink back from it because I'm just never sure where to go with it. Uh, when, sometimes when you try to do something new, you 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 introduce things that are not a part of the story. Y'all understand what I'm I'm saying? And it, it's it's real easy. And I I don't ever want to do that. I want to when I preach, I want the the word of God to speak for itself. And so this year, as as I was preparing and trying to figure out where I was going to go, the Lord just you know He just spoke to me. He said, let, let, let the prophetic voice of Christmas speak. Let the story speak. It spoke 2,000 years ago to, to, to specific people. And you know what? The message is still there and it will speak if you share it. It will speak to people in your body specifically. That's, that's the beautiful thing about God's word. Uh, it, it, God says in Isaiah that my word will never ret- when it goes out it will never return to me void it will accomplish all that I have sent it to do and so I, I believe in the prophetic word I believe that God speaks through his word I believe he still speaks prophetically through it but I also believe that God still speaks prophetically through through human vessels I believe he speaks from songs. I mean, some of you have probably heard God speak already through some of the songs that, that, that we sang. I, I believe he, if he chooses, he can speak through a bumper sticker or a billboard. But I, I believe God is still a talking God, okay? And I believe if we will listen, we will hear him speak. I believe he loves us enough to speak to us individually, and I believe he loves us enough that he will tailor his message so that as an individual, I can hear it. And I'll know what to do with it. I really believe that. Okay? I believe that's who God is. Otherwise, I, I, I don't know what to do. Okay? I wander around, and on my best day, I mess up everything. If you don't believe that, just ask people who are really close to me. They'll, they'll tell you. I, I mess things up. So I want to hear God speak. And I believe God loves us enough that he will speak. And if we believe it, you know what? Everything's possible. The capacity of your belief system constructs the boundaries of your lifestyle. I don't know whether you believe that or not. Let me say that again. The capacity of your belief system constructs the boundaries of your lifestyle. What you believe you will live. And what you don't believe, you won't live. Most people don't believe the things that they read in this Bible. Let, let me just go a step farther. Most people in church don't believe the things they read in the Bible. You say, well, how can you say that? Because I don't see those things taking place. If we really believe them, and we really believe they were true, we would experience them. But we're not experiencing because we don't believe them. What has happened many times is, is, is the, the thing, the life of Jesus that we read, it, it almost becomes like a fairy tale, a story that we tell and that, that we major on. The story of, I, I think about in my childhood, uh, the stories that impacted me the most were the stories of the flood. Well, that, that was almost unbelievable. 
And for a kid, it was beyond belief. The, uh, the, David and the giant. I mean, it, 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 it boiled down to a story about a giant and a little boy. And there's so much more there. That's why God put it in, in, the, in, in the Word of God. And, and even when we come to the gospel accounts, story after story after story, it, it's so much more. So much more. And yet, we struggle to believe it. We don't believe the things, therefore we don't experience them. We tend to limit our possibilities to the level of our abilities, not God's capabilities. You see, Scripture says God is capable of doing anything. And we're going to talk about today the fact that that God doesn't know what impossible is. That word does not even exist in his vocabulary. What we've done is we've accepted and we've settled for a life of less than rather than in God's realm of possibility. In God's realm of possibility, the prospects are endless and the potential is immeasurable. And I believe God wants to speak prophetically to us this morning. I believe God loves you. And when I say you, I mean you in the back, you in the front, you over here, you over here, you scattered through the seats. I'm I'm talking individually. I believe God wants to speak to you individually. He has a message for you. And you know what? The message he has for you may not be the same as the person over here or the person in front of you or the person behind you or me. It may be totally different. But I believe if we'll listen this morning, the Holy Spirit will speak. And I believe that message has to do with birthing something that you think is impossible. Let me say that again. I believe that that what God's going to speak this morning is about birthing something. Bringing something to life. Now that could be, I, I don't mean having a baby. But I do mean, in a sense conceiving a baby in the sense that that God wants to do something very unique through you and in you. He wants to he wants to bring to life something that will affect other people that will bring them to Jesus Christ that will that will help this body or help this community or help this nation or help this world. And and he's put it already in you. He's hidden it in you, and he's going to call it forth this morning. And I believe if we will listen, I believe if we'll listen, that it can become possible for you. Because the word impossible means something that is incapable of occurring. I want you to think about that. Impossible means something that is incapable of occurring. And and as I as I stand here, and I, I I I look out this morning, you know what I realize that some of you are facing situations and circumstances that you really believe are unsolvable. There's no answer for. You know what you say when it's unsolvable? You're saying it's impossible. I look out and I I see some of you this morning that are facing and are battling diseases that you're a doctor who is not omnipotent. May I say that? Okay? He's not omnipotent. He doesn't know everything. He he practices medicine. Do you all understand what practicing medicine is? It means practice. Okay? Thank God for doctors and nurses and, and medical technicians and people that work in that field. But we don't know everything about disease. We don't know everything about the human body. 
And so we are practicing medicine. And so very often we'll get a, we'll get a, a, a you know, a, a, a disease or a, a diagnosis that our doctor tells us is incurable. Now, when he says that, he's saying, he's being honest, okay? I, I don't know how to cure this. But when we take that word and we make it, there's no hope. There's no answer. We're saying it's impossible. And some of you are wrestling with, with forgotten dreams. And this may be most of you. With forgotten dreams that God has planted in the cracks and the crevices of your soul. And because somebody said something negative at some point in your life. Somebody didn't encourage you that should have encouraged you. Or somebody, uh, or, or you felt like, you know what, I don't have the resources to make this happen. Or, or you know what, it's not the right time. Or a hundred other excuses. What's happened is you've come to believe that that dream is hopeless. It's ridiculous, it's unachievable, it's impractical. And all of those words are just another word for impossible. I'm telling you folks, we serve a God who says nothing is impossible for me. And when he says nothing, and I'll say this again in a few minutes, that word nothing in the Greek means no word is impossible for me. For me, in other words, when God speaks, if God spoke and put that dream in you, He spoke it with a word, and there's no word that He can't make come to pass. Okay, so I want y'all to grab a hold this morning. I want you to tune in. We're going to look at at at, at, a, at a specific message this morning, and I've just I've just I'm just calling it the Mary message. We're going to look at at Mary, and we're going to look at the message God spoke to her. Impossible is not a part of God's vocabulary. I've already said this, but I want you to I want you to grab hold of that. Limitation is a word without meaning to God. God laughs at impossibility. Okay, I think he just. He, I think when he hears someone use that term, he just kind of, he just goes, "Come on, dude, or dudette, you know? <laughs> well, well, come on, come on." Yet we are shackled by the chains that we we forge in the fires of unbelief. We don't believe, so what happens is we forge chains that that hold us. That keep us trapped. And what becomes impossible for us is just another dimension of possibility for God. The Christmas story is not a tale of impossibilities. Okay, if you if you just look at it on the surface and you, you read what happened, you think, this is impossible. I mean, that's what. Liberal theologians will say, that's impossible. That cannot happen. Those things don't take place. But it's not a story of impossibilities, folks. It's a witness of what God can do through the possibilities of one person partnering with Him. If you and I will partner with God, there is no limit of what God can do through us. That would be a good place for amen. Okay? I'm not going to, you missed your chance. It's too late now, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on. God found such a, a partner. He found such a person and a young teenage girl named Mary. Mary was a, was a virgin. She was, she was probably 13, 14, maybe 15 years old. 
And you know, the thing about Mary is she is no or was no different than any person in this room. You do realize that, don't you? She had two ears, two eyes, two hands, two legs, a brain. She breathed in air. She breathed out air. She didn't float above the ground, contrary to what some will teach. She was just a regular teenage girl. How many of you remember being a teenager? Just a few of you, okay? Most of us do, okay? Teenage years are wild and wonderful, aren't they? I mean, everything's just a, it's just a, it's like, a, you're, you're like nitroglycerin in a bottle. I mean, you're just, your emotions are everywhere, your feelings are everywhere, you feel like you're going to live forever. All of us remember that. Mary was, was a teenage, how many of you have teenage children? Grandchildren. Okay. I love teenagers. They're all over the place. When they're 13, 14, the, the boys can't be still and the girls cry at the drop of a hat. I, I love that. So th- this, was the, this was the person that God was going to use to bring salvation, folks, to change history. And she's no different than us. None. She's absolutely no different from us. God was not looking for Mary to do the impossible. God was looking for Mary to allow him to do what was not possible through her. You know what? God's not asking any of us to do the impossible. He's just asking us to be vessels that he can use to flow through. He doesn't expect you to do it. See, that's the problem. When God calls us to do something or asks us to do something or impresses on us to do something, we almost always go, God, I can't do that. What? What? I can't do that, God. God is not, He's not asking us to do it. He's asking us to allow Him to do it through us. And if we'll listen this morning and we'll act according to the prophetic voice of God, We'll hear what he has to say through Mary's message. And you know what? If you'll believe it, whatever he speaks to you this morning, if you'll believe it and you'll conceive it, you'll let it take hold in your life. You and I and anyone in this room can become the birth canal that transfers what others may consider impossible into reality, into the realm of God's possibilities. Listen, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. You are not limited by what other people believe. Okay? You're not limited by what other people believe. You are limited only by what you believe. Okay? When I learned that lesson and I realized that, it took chains off me. Okay? It it, it allowed me to shake off theology that, number one, isn't biblical, number two, won't work. All right? I don't have to believe that. Well, okay. Fantastic. You know what? If you want to be limited by that belief, I'll give you one that all the gifts are not present right now. There are people that believe that only a few of the gifts are present. If you want to be limited by that belief, have at it. I don't believe that because I don't find that in Scripture. There are lots of other beliefs that we take on that other people have concocted. And it limits us. But folks, our, our 
beliefs are not limited by others. They're only limited by what we choose to accept, what we choose to believe, what we choose to say, God, that's not possible in our own lives. I want to read this morning. I just want to take Luke chapter 1. And I want to read verse 26 through 38. And this is the account. You've heard this. If you're as old as I am, you've heard it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Okay? But it's fresh. Okay? It's fresh. I want you to listen as I read this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged or betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the house or the lineage or the descendants of David. And coming in, Gabriel said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But Mary was very perplexed at this statement. And she kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor. You found grace. That's what that word favor means. You found grace with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be? For I'm a virgin. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. By the way, if you want to know why the passage begins now in the sixth month, that's the reason. Elizabeth was in her sixth month. That's when the angel appears to Mary. Uh, her, her cousin uh, Elizabeth is six months pregnant. For nothing, listen, for nothing will be impossible with God. For no thing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, listen to this. This, is, this amazes me every time I read this. This is a 13 to 15 year old teenage girl. Okay? Listen to what she says. Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I mean, that, folks, is an awesome story. And if you remember last week, we, we began this series with the Joseph message. I, this message took place first. Okay? And then Joseph Receive the message. I chose to put it in another way because there were some things God wanted to say. But but Mary, uh, Joseph got that word. And you remember that, that it just says an angel of the Lord appeared to him. It doesn't give us the angel's name. But Mary has a prophetic visitation by the angel Gabriel. Okay? And Gabriel, uh, according to Scripture in Luke chapter 119, uh, when, when he appears to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, the same angel appears to Zacharias that appears to Mary. He says this, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. 
That's what his name means. The one who stands in the presence of God. A lot of uh, people believe that Gabriel might have been one of the archangels. I don't know. Scripture's silent on that. Okay? But I do know this. He was a very special angel. He is the angel who delivers very special messages. He delivered one in the Old Testament to Daniel. He delivers one to John the Baptist who was the forerunner. The Elijah figure. Uh, that, that scripture talks about John the Baptist and he delivers this message to Mary so it's obvious that he holds one of the highest positions in the angelic hierarchy and he's been dispatched with a message from God's lips to Mary's heart he's come with a specific message God, God takes very care, uh, great care to get the message from his mouth to Mary's heart and he sends the angel that stands in his presence Now, Mary's situation was a little bit different than Joseph. You remember last week, Joseph was freaked out. I don't know of a better word. He was panicked, okay? I mean, he he had just seen his hopes and his dreams evaporate, okay? Gone up in smoke. Uh, All all he wanted was, was a wife and a children and home and a good name so that he could do his business. That, that was, that was his dreams. And, And there's nothing wrong with that dream. Just he was dreaming a little too small. Mary, on the other hand, uh, you know, she was she was like any teenage girl, I imagine. She was thinking about down the road somewhere. She was going to get married. She'd meet the man of her dreams, and truth is, she'd already met him. And so I imagine that that she was she was dreaming of of what it was like to be married. I remember. Uh, as as I got out of high school and 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 I begin to think of the future, there be there be moments. Now I know this this guys are not going to admit this, but I'm going to admit it. Okay, it's true. I I, I would sit around at times and, and and daydream and think of what it would be like to be married, and what would it be like to to have somebody that's with you all the time. Uh, what would it be like to to go places? What would it be like to to have a house and 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 have children and those kind of things? I, I was daydreaming. Mary, I imagine, spent a lot of her time doing the same thing. She was thinking about what it was going to be like to, to have a home, a husband, to have children. And, and when, when uh, the Jewish uh, women thought of children, they thought of lots of children because children were, the ble- they were a visible blessing of God in their culture. They believed that. And so Mary's only problem was that her dreams were too small. Okay? God... Dream something bigger for Mary. She was dreaming of only what she thought was possible. And maybe you're here this morning and you have some dreams. They're from God. You know it. But you know what? You're looking at them and you're thinking to yourself, there's no way this is possible. Folks, we don't serve a teeny tiny God. We serve a God who is infinitely bigger than we can imagine. And his dreams are infinitely bigger than we can conceive. And yet he shares those with us. And Mary, Mary was, was dreaming of only what she thought was possible. And Gabriel, I'm going to say it right, Gabriel greets Mary. And he greets her with this, with this word. It's, it's pretty interesting. He says, hell favored one. Or hello, O woman, greatly blessed. I mean, that's literally what he was saying. The Lord is with you. 
Now, a little translation of that might be, Mary, God's grace and his presence is on you. Now, if you're a believer this morning, the Bible says that those two things rest on you as well. His grace, His favor, His presence. His grace and His presence. They are God's relational gifts to us. They're not something that God gave to just one person who who happened to be alive at, at this moment in history. Mary was no better nor no worse than any of us. And yet God chooses Mary to pour out his grace and his presence on. And you know what? God has chosen us to pour out his grace and his mercy on. And Mary responds. I mean, she, I mean, she doesn't, she just doesn't, she doesn't pass out. I mean, I, th- I just think of teenage girls I, I grew up with and teenage girls I've been around. I was a youth pastor for a little while. Most of those girls would have just went stiff and passed out. But think about yourself. I mean, if an angel's appeared to you what would you do i'm gonna tell you what i would do i would probably pass out okay that's what happens to most people in scripture they fall down with their knees knocking Uh, they 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 go forward they they just they pass out they go limp mary doesn't go limp it's it's interesting mary responds to the angelic greeting but she responds with a little bit of of confusion uh, joseph his was utter fear. He, he, was, he was totally terrified at the future. But Mary's kind of confused by what the angel says. His greeting didn't make a lot of sense to her. And you know what? What happens when a person is confused? What happens next? Think about it for a minute. If you don't deal with confusion, in other words, if you don't get some answers that, that, that make everything balance out, it attracts fear. Right? You get confused, and what happens? Fear kind of creeps in. Fear always rushes into that vacuum that, that's created by the chaos of misunderstanding and, or, or ignorance. And when I say ignorance, I don't mean stupidity. I, ignorance means to not have the facts you need to make the right decision you need to make, okay? That's all ignorance means. It's, it means be uninformed. And so what happens is fear rushes in when there's a vacuum there and there's, and there's chaos and there's misunderstanding and there's ignorance. And, and this angel has greeted her and all of a sudden there's, there's confusion. And if something doesn't happen... Fear is going to come in. Because what happens is fear, when fear mates with confusion, you know what happens? Chaos takes place. And chaos is like being lost in a dark room and I can't find the walls, I can't find the floor, I can't find the cell. I don't know which is up, I don't know which is down. You ever been in chaos? Some of you are in chaos right now. You really are. You don't know which is up. You don't know which way is out. You don't know what's right. You don't know what's wrong. You don't know what you're going to do. That's because confusion has mated with fear. They've gotten together. Okay? You've got to get rid of the fear. And you've got to have some answers. Listen, maybe your issue this morning is not an impossibility. Maybe you're not faced with an impossibility, but maybe you're faced with a misunderstanding. 
Maybe you're faced with no understanding of what God purpose is in your life. Maybe you don't know. In other words, you may be asking that question, God, why am I here? I mean, I hear Christians ask that all the time. Nelson, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what my purpose is. And some of them have been alive for 40 and 50 and 60 years. And they have no clue. 70, 80 years, and they have no clue why they're here. There's confusion and there's chaos in their lives. Gabriel gives Mary a word very quickly and he, she gives, he gives it very clearly. He says, do not be afraid. In other words, Mary, don't let, don't let the fear connect with the confusion that you're feeling right now. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor. You have found grace with God. You know what? If you have found grace with God this morning, I don't care how bad it gets. You know what you can do? You can relax. You can relax. Because God's going to take care of you. He's going to walk with you through whatever situation you're in. Don't allow your fate to vacate or to vacillate. You have favor with God. It was the experience of that moment, and I mean that moment when that angel appears, not what was going to happen in the future that unsettled Mary. Okay, Mary's a little bit different than Joseph. It was, it was just the experience right there. It just took her breath away. It confused her. She didn't know, she didn't know what to do. It wasn't the message that she was about to receive. It was just the confusion of the moment. But once she regains her faith, once she regains her composure, she begins, I love this, and you'll see this, you see this phrase over and over in Mary's life. She began to ponder. That means she began to think about it deeply. She began to roll it over and over. And literally that word has a connotation. If, if you've ever had cattle or you've ever been around a, a, a cow, uh, you notice cows just, they chew all the time. It's like they're chewing, chewing gum. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Those of you that have been on the farm, those of you that hadn't, it's no big deal, okay? Y'all see the, y'all watch the commercial, you've seen the, the, uh, the uh, what's the cows? Chick-fil-A cows. They're always moving their mouths. Cows are wonderful to, to dub voice in because they constantly give you that movement. You know what they're doing? They're chewing their cud, I'm going to give you a a short definition of that, okay? It's pretty gross. They have three stomachs, okay? As it moves from stomach number one to stomach number two, they re-chew it. And as it moves to to number two to number three, they re-chew it. And so they're, they're constantly chewing. And that's the picture of pondering. It's, it's getting something in your mind and going over and over and over. And that's the kind of person Mary was. She was a thinker, okay? She would think about things. She, she was a deep thinker. And she begins to ponder these things. And, 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 and she begins to consider them and to reason about them and think about them. And, and, and she, she listens to what is said and she's not just hearing it. Have you ever heard something that just shocked you and when it was over you couldn't tell anybody what was said? That wasn't Mary. Mary's taking every word captive. 
and she's storing it up and she's pondering it. And and once once that 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 confusion settles, she begins to to think about these things. She's not consumed with the impossibility of the moment, but rather the reality of what is being spoken to her. When God speaks, we have to train our minds to consider the possibilities rather than panic about the impossibilities. God ever spoken to you and, 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 and told you to do something? Instead of, most of the time, instead of seeing what we can do, it's how, what in the world are we going to, how am I going to do this? What, what God, what, 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 what? I, I, yeah, that's not what Mary did. Mary heard what was spoken, and then she begins to ponder, okay, how can this take place? How can this take place? She, she leans in, and she listens a little bit more intently. Listen to me. Faith and grace can take you anywhere God wants you to go. Okay? That's all you need. In Joseph's case, the angel told him not to be afraid. He, he gave him a promise first, and then he explained what was going to happen. But here Gabriel prophetically declares what is about to be possible. It's, it's totally different. I want you to listen to Luke chapter uh, 1, verse 31 through 33. And, and the angel says, and behold. In other words, looky here. That's what he's saying. I'm going to put it in southern English. Looky here. Okay? Pay attention. And you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus which we learned last week means Yahweh or God is salvation. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Let me sum all of that up. Here's what the angel said to Mary. Mary, you are about to conceive and give birth to the Messiah. Okay, he didn't have to say anymore. She knew what that meant. Now, we don't understand what that exactly means. So that's why it's spelled out for us in Scripture. He, he, he's going to be great. He's going to be called the Son of God. He's, he, he's, he's going to, the God's going to give him the throne of his father David. He's going to reign over the house of, of Jacob forever, and his kingdom is going to be without end. In other words, Mary, you're going to, have, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. And what we need to understand is, and I mentioned this two or three times already, he's giving this message to a little girl who's just 13, 14, 15 years old. Think about that. I mean, this is all she's ever heard about for her whole life is the Messiah. I mean, that was the story. That was what they, that was the promise, the coming. We talk about the the return of Christ. In the church today. Okay? And we look forward to, to the, the, the second coming, the return, whatever you choose to call it. I call, I call it the return of Christ. We look forward to that. In her culture, they looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. Because he was going to fix everything that was messed up. He was going to restore everything that God had promised. And so, they're looking. They're anticipating. I mean... It's a big deal. And all of a sudden she hears this. God's about to send the Messiah. He's about to send, send the King of Glory, the fulfillment of the great promise that your people have been awaiting for centuries. And you know what? He's not coming like you expect. See, they expected Him to come. 
especially in, in the period in which Jesus is, has, is born. They expected him to come as a warrior on a charger. I mean, they expected him to come as deliverer, leading the angels or the armies of heaven, and, and, and he would arouse a great army, and they would get rid of the Romans, and they would be free again. That's, that was their picture, okay? Although that's not the biblical picture that Scripture was teaching. But that's what they had envisioned. They'd tacked on things. And, and the Messiah had become almost a mythical figure. He'd almost become a fairy tale figure, a, a superhero kind of a thing. But he's not coming like you expect. And you know what? Mary, all of a sudden, Mary, all that teaching that she's had, all that scripture that she's memorized. And by the way, what we don't realize is Jewish children memorized volumes of scripture. Volumes of scripture. This little girl may not could have read or write, but she could quote Scripture, okay? Because her mother and her father had taught her that since she was old enough to speak. She knew the promises. And so she ta- begins to take the, all those teachings, and she begins to take all that, that, those, those Scriptures that she learned and, and all those folk tales that she had heard, and she begins to run them around in her head. And, and the, all of a sudden, they begin to collide with the reality of the prophetic Word of God that He's speaking right then. And she has to make a decision. Because what she thought it was going to be like is different. It's completely different. And so she has to, she has to make a decision. She has to, she has to think through it. What, I'm going to put you in that place and put me in. What would we have thought? What would we have done? What would we have said? How would we have handled that moment? I think most of us would have freaked out. Okay? I mean, when I freak out, I just run in place. I don't know which way to go. Okay? It's been a while since I freaked out, but I remember what it's like. But most of us, I think, would have freaked out. I, I think we would have said, God, that's, a, that Angel, that's impossible. That's impossible. But that doesn't seem to be the case here with Mary. Instead, Mary asks a very simple question, and it's a very profound question. And I find it amazing. She seems to be fully aware about what the angel is talking about. In other words, she understands what he's saying. And it's not the what, but it's the how that she asks. You know, our Our fears rarely have to do with the how. They have to do with the what. What, God? You you want me to do that? What? Huh? That must have been somebody else speaking. That, That wasn't God. I didn't hear that. God, you want me to do what? I can't do that. See, where God sees possibility, folks, all we can see very often is impossibility. I love this question Mary asked. She goes, how can that be? I'm a virgin. God, that doesn't compute with what I understand. How's that going to work? I'm a virgin. So she asked the very obvious question. It's a faith-filled question, folks, rather than a a, a, a fear-filled 
She responds with faith rather than refusing with fear. How? And I would say this, how is not a bad question to ask God. Okay? I think God loves how questions. You probably won't ever get an answer to your why questions. Can I just be straight up honest with you? You might. But I've got very few answers to my why questions. But what I've learned is when I ask God how, okay, God, how? How's this going to happen? I'm a doofus. I'm a mess up. God, I don't know anybody there or here or, or I don't have any understanding. In that. How is this going to happen? And that's what Mary asked. God, how is this going to happen? How questions allow God to be all that he is in every circumstance, in every situation that we face. God is solution-focused and he is detail-oriented. So stop asking God why and start asking him how. How is a step of faith. Okay? I'll entertain this, God. I'll take one more step from where I was. How's this going to happen? Instead of turning and going, sayonara, see you later, adios, muchacho, I'm out of here. Mary goes, okay, God, how is this going to happen since I'm a virgin? You see what's taking place? There's a, there's a step of faith there. And so she, she asked the obvious question, how? Listen, I, I told you last week, faith and obedience are the definitions of each other. If I have faith, I will obey. If I obey, it shows I have faith. They go together. And so Mary, Mary responds with faith, and she responds with obedience. And Gabriel's answer is pretty crisp, it's pretty clear, it's pretty concise, and it's also impossible for us to fully understand. Okay? Yet, his answer in this passage is literally the cornerstone of Christianity. It's where the Christian faith rests. Listen, the, our faith does not rest on the resurrection. It does not rest on the cross. It rests on the incarnation. Because if Jesus does not become flesh, there is no crucifixion. There is no resurrection. There is no ascension. There is no salvation. It all rests on God becoming flesh. And, and I don't think we think about that, but, but our atonement, uh, all of those things we believe in, they can't exist between, uh, without the doctrine of the virgin, and I'm going to say it this way, conception and birth. If, those, if there's no virgin conception and there's no virgin birth, there's no faith, okay? It's not an expendable doctrine. If you don't believe this doctrine, you do not stand in Christian faith. Now there, I've said it, okay? <laughs> That's just the way it is. Because it's not possible. Let me tell you why it's not possible. Uh, I'm, I'm going to explain it very uh, in a very concise way. But the angel answers Mary and he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. In other words, this is the way I conceive this, understanding what I've learned in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but the Shekinah glory is going to pass over you. That's, that's the only way I know. 
That's the only way I know. He's, it's just gonna, you're going you're gonna to move through the Shekinah glory of the Holy Spirit. And God's going to be put in your womb. And he's going to become flesh. Okay? Now that doesn't make any human sense. Especially if you're the little girl that's being told to. And if we're real honest, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. That's not how children are conceived. That's not how children... That's not where, children, that's not where babies come from. They come from St. Vincent's. Okay? <laughs> this had never happened before. This is impossible. Yet God says it's possible. And God was about to, to, to do something that had been impossible before and is impossible now. It only needed to be done one time. Now, I can't explain the verse completely, so I'm not even going to try. But I'm going to tell you what I do know. That no baby born of a human father and a mother can accomplish atonement for sin. Okay, And you say, well, why can't they? Because the sin nature is transmitted or transferred or passed on or inherited from father to child, daughter and son. That sin nature is, is transmitted from the father. It's not transmitted from the mother. It's transmitted from the father. Sin didn't enter the world through Eve. It entered the physical world. The realm we live in through Adam. That's what scripture says. And, and what happens is that sin nature is transferred. It's transmitted in the blood. Okay? The blood of the father is, is transmitted through the sperm. None of, those come, none of that blood comes from the mother's egg. So it's through Adam. It's not through Eve that sin entered into the physical world. And every father passes that sin nature to his children. And those children pass it to their children. And those children pass it to their children until you get to where we are right now. And if you have a child, you will pass it to that child. Okay, that's, that's the way it is. And so through Adam, sin has been imputed to all of us. And so th- this is a hopeless situation. It's insolvable for you and me, yet God majors in impossible solutions. And the, the, the solution is God has to become flesh. There has to be a man born without a sin nature. In other words, Mary has to give birth to a child that has no earthly father. That has to be erased out of the, the, the equation. And so, Jesus becomes human like us. He, God places him in the, the virgin of Mary. I don't understand how. I can't explain this. I just know this is what happened. This is what Scripture says. That when that sperm, well, let me back up, when that egg separates, there's a life there. It's divine And it's human. Two natures in one child. And Mary gives birth to the Messiah. She gives birth to the Son of God. There was no human father, so there's no sin nature. 
Folks, the virgin birth, the virgin conception is essential for the atonements of our sin. Either Mary did this and this is true or there is no payment for sin. Okay, that's, that's just the bottom line. There's, I don't know of any other way to say it. Now, so why are you so passionate about this? Because there's all kind of garbage taught and believed by all kinds of people who call themselves Christians. And this is one of the doctrines they deny. You can't deny. This is an essential Okay, we can argue over gifts. We can argue over when Jesus is coming back, if he's coming back before, in the middle, after, or whatever. But we can't argue about this because we don't have an argument. All right, there's no other solution than this one. And so the angel Gabriel then drives this home. She says, he tells her, he says, look, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to pass through the Shekinah glory of God. And that, that holy thing in you is going to be called the Son of God. Now, I, I'm, I wasn't there, so I don't know what happened. But I imagine her jaw dropped. Okay? I mean, I'm 60 years old. And I don't understand this. I, she was 13, 14, 15. I know she doesn't understand it. And then Gabriel, man, he drives it home with, a, with an explanation point. He, 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 he says this. He says, for nothing, no thing will be impossible with God. Listen to me. When God speaks prophetically, he keeps his word 100% of the time. No word that he has spoken will return to him void. It will accomplish all that he has sent it to do. If he says it, listen, we can take it to the bank. We can cash it the check. We can put it in our savings account. We can live off of it. If he makes a promise, he's going to keep that promise. Now, some of those promises are conditioned on our response. Okay? Which means, I will do this if. But there are other promises that God gives that are conditioned on nothing but God. This is one of those that's unconditional that he gives. So we have to exercise faith and we have to exercise obedience. If God gives you a prophetic word, he gives you a word of promise, listen, it's going to come true or it didn't come from God. Can I just say it that way? If it doesn't come true and it's unconditional, it didn't come from God. If it is conditioned and you do what you're supposed to and it doesn't come true, it didn't come from God. Because no word of God is impossible. When God speaks, listen, He means it. If it doesn't come true, it was either flesh or it was Satan. Okay? God doesn't ask us, folks, to be presumptuous. He doesn't ask us to be gullible. He doesn't ask us to be stupid. But rather, He commands us to test every spirit. Test every word. If somebody comes up to you and they get, look, I believe I have a word from God for you. Or I have a note, and I believe God told me to write this down and give it to you. Take it. Okay? Listen to it. Thank them and go test it. If it tells you to buy a ticket somewhere, don't go buy a ticket immediately. Go home and pray about it. Flesh it out. Test it out. See what the Word of God says. Does it agree with the Word of God? Does it, does it, does it, does it resonate in your spirit? 
You see, Mary didn't get freaked out because what the angel was saying to her resonated in her spirit because she understood the the scriptures. She understood what God had already said, and it made sense. The reason we don't know is because we don't understand what God has said. We've not spent any time, or we hadn't read, or, or we've just listened to some talking head who stands in front of the pulpit every Sunday tell us what it means, okay? God forbid that we do that. You say, well, I, I'll never read the Bible through. Well, fantastic. What if you read the Gospel of John all the way through? You'll be ahead of most Christians anyway. What if you read the book of Ephesians all the way through? It'd take you about 20 minutes. Most Christians never done that. You see, we've got to understand God's Word so that when we do get a word, when we, when we get a word out of Scripture, or when we, we get a word from somebody else, or we believe God's speaking to us through the words of a song, you know what, I can test it. I can, I can check it out and see if it meets the criteria. And we're going to talk a lot more about this later on in 2017 but I just want you to understand we're not supposed to be stupid and when somebody says I have a word from God for you take it and do whatever we're supposed to test it God's given us a brain okay and he's given us his word he doesn't ask us to do that and that's what Mary did she knew the scriptures and because she did she knew God's prophetic voice when she heard it the reason sometimes we don't hear God is because we've not spent any time in his word and we're not accustomed to his voice and how he speaks when God speaks you don't have to read 10 pages to get the message he usually does it in a sentence or two it's it's amazing he's just concise and to the point but we don't understand his voice because we've not heard it before and we miss it Listen, God cannot, he will not allow his voice or his word to fall to the earth and answer. And so we've got to put our faith in God. We've got to listen to him speak. We've got to test it. And then we, when, once we've tested it, once we are assured that, that it's his word, it's his promise, he's calling us to do this, we've got to step out. Our problem for most of us is not that we hadn't heard it and hadn't tested it. It's that we're afraid to test out. I mean, step out. We're terrified. What, God, what, 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 instead of how, how, how? God's spoken. So what are we supposed to do? It amazes me whenever I read Mary's response to God, her ultimate response. She understood as she makes this response. She understood that uh, what this would mean. I mean, she's engaged to the guy of her dreams, Okay. I know all this yappity yap about Joseph was probably a lot older and he that's why you don't hear about him in the end of the you know the story of Jesus. We don't know that. Joseph may have just been 17, 18 years old and he died, okay? We we don't know that. Or it, 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 he may have just not been spoken about because he is not the central figure of the story. Remember last week I told you Joseph realized he's not going to be the the main player in the cast. He's going to have a a, a background part but it's important and so Mary Mary understands that that man this is go, this is probably going to change things with the way Joseph thinks she understood that she she also understood that that uh, you know if I tell him this he's going to think this is nuts okay put yourself in her place 
She's, she's about to become pregnant and she's going to use this excuse. God did it. Guys, put yourself in Joseph's place. What if, what if somebody told you that? What would you have thought? She understands all of that. She understands how her culture is going to react. Okay? She understands that, that, that what the law of Moses requires. She understands all that. She, she realizes that at worst she's going to be stoned to death. And at best she's going to be pushed to the fringe of society and made fun of the rest of her life. She'll always be the person with the scarlet letter on her chest. Always. It won't ever go away. She knows that. She's 15 years old. And she, she accepts that fact. So what God was asking her to do didn't measure up. It didn't, it didn't make sense in her current situation. It was impossible. Okay? Yet God's not calling Mary because of her abilities or her capabilities. Listen, Mary, I'm going to say this again, is just like you. Okay? Just like you. Just like me. He was asking her to trust him implicitly. He was asking her to step out of the realm she was in and into the realm that he walks in. And that realm, everything's possible. He, 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 I love this. He doesn't provide her all the information. And he doesn't give her a list of all the things, all the risks, all the costs that are attached to it. I mean, how many of you, God has called you to, to do something, you've sat down at the negotiation table and you're trying to hammer out a contract with him? Let me tell you something. God doesn't work that way. God calls you. And sometimes, you know what? He, he gives you the details. And sometimes he doesn't. What Jesus says is count the cost. Okay? <laughs> because you know what it's going to cost. You're not an idiot. If I do this, this is what it will cost. That's what Mary's doing. She's counting the cost. He just speaks the prophetic word to her. And here's her response. Luke one thirty eight, she says, Behold. In other words, looky here, God. I mean, that's what, that's what she's saying. Looky here, God. The bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. We, most of us don't understand what a bond slave is. A bond slave was a servant who had been offered their freedom and refused their freedom to continue to serve their master. And when they did that, they would take them to the doorpost, and they would drive a punch through their ear. And it was a symbol that they would be a slave forever. Okay? Here's a 14, 15-year-old little girl saying, God, I am your servant. You do whatever you want with me. Now that makes me take a seat. Okay? That makes me step back and go, whoa. Be it done to me according to your word. Mary makes her answer based on her faith in God. Not on the facts that she had. Not on the what ifs concerning her future. She just surrenders. Okay? She, just, she just throws her hands up and said, God, I'm yours. You know what? I believe God this morning is speaking to folks all over this room. I really believe that. 
And I believe he wants to take those possibilities, those impossibilities that you're struggling with. And I, want he, I believe he wants to turn them into possibilities. And all he's waiting for is your response of faith and obedience. You say, well, you know what? I'm too old. There's no such thing. We'll talk about it in, in a couple of weeks, but there, there's a character in this story who's, who's well up in his age, uh, years, and God has promised them that before he dies, he will see the Messiah. And when he sees the Messiah, you know what he says? I'm going to put it in literal terms. God, you can take me home now. I've, I've seen the answer to your promise. There's another, there's another lady in that same narrative. She's, she's well over a hundred years. And yet God uses her to, she's preaching the gospel in the temple. She's wide open about who this baby is. She doesn't care what anybody thinks. So age has nothing to do with it. Whether you're young or whether you're old. God, if we will respond to him in faith and obedience, if we'll hear his prophetic word to us, and obey and respond. God will bring it to fruition. He will bring it to completion. Listen, God's not asking you, and He's not asking me to do the impossible. He's not concerned. He's not, you know, He doesn't, I mean, I'll just put it this way. He doesn't really care how capable you are. He doesn't really care what abilities you have. He'll use what you have, and he'll use the capabilities. But, but that's not his chief concern. His chief concern is he's looking for a person who will do like Mary and say, God, I am your servant. Whatever you want to do through me, do it. When you say those words, the impossible starts to happen. It starts to happen in the lives of people around you. It starts to happen in you. It starts to happen into the, in the world you have access to. That's all God's looking for. It's people who will say, God, I'm yours. Use me. God, it's, it's Monday morning. I'm headed to the hospital. I'm headed to the office. I'm headed to school. I'm headed here. I'm headed there. I'm your servant. Use me. I'll do whatever you want. That's when God moves from the realm of the impossible into making things possible. That's when he begins to change things. And God is, I believe it, that God is speaking right now to people. And you've got a choice, okay? You can respond. Or you can reject. You can say, what? Or you can say, how? You can say, no. Or you can say, yes. It's up to you, okay? It's up to us. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.